Hey, whether you enjoy listening to Breaking Down Collapse or Building Up Resilience, I think you'll also really enjoy our bonus content on Patreon. Yeah, Kellen and I take 20 minutes each week to talk about the news that's happening all around us and Collapse as it plays out. We like to have a little fun with it, but also make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world of Collapse. We look forward to having you join us there. The link to join us on Patreon is in the episode description. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, Kellen, I really love this studio setup that we've got. It's nice and cozy. Um, you know, someone's mentioned to us before, like, is this the best, like, setting to be talking about collapse? It's a little casual, you know? And, yeah, it's kind of casual. But I don't want to be, like, sitting in, like, a dark basement, you know, like, or someone was saying sit at a table or something. I, don't, I like this. I don't mind it. But the one thing that bothers me is that this couch is very deep and 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 I'm a short man uh my little legs my poor little legs if I don't like have terrible posture and slouch if I sit up straight my legs kick off the end um and I look like a like a child yeah and that's accurate Corey has been self-conscious about that the whole time we've been recording the podcast <laughs> so every episode I'm like slouched way back I'm sure I look way too casual and comfortable but it's not that I'm not trying to sit up straight it's that I'm just going to do it now. If I sit up straight, my feet hang <laughs> off the end here and I can just sort of kick them, feel like a little kid. See, and for me, for some reason, I always look awkward because I, I don't know. Like, I guess I could, like, put my hands out here. Yeah. But instead, I always, like, just place them on my legs. <laughs> we are definitely not performers. Okay. Well, anyway, with that out of the way, let's talk about water. Yes. Water. Um, and maybe we should have talked about water last week. I mean, food, water, they're both necessary for life, but water, you can obviously only go a very limited amount of time without it before you cannot survive. Food, you can go a longer period of time, but water is 
outside of oxygen itself, like the most important thing in order to sustain human life. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the facts kind of that I was reading up on was that, you know, you can ration food if necessary. You can survive for a long time on a lesser amount of food. But when it comes to water, you should not ration water. You need to drink what you are supposed to drink on a daily basis, even if it means you might run out for tomorrow and then figure it out tomorrow. Um, if you half your water intake, um, to, to try and make it last longer, it's going to have pretty adverse effects. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're starting with food, water, shelter. Those are the three just absolute most important. Last week, talking about food, um, you know what? We talked about it from a pretty high level, and I'm sure some people were, were kind of listening to that, and maybe some were thinking, like, you know, that like, this is all pretty, like, I could have figured this out on my own, maybe, or like, uh, you know, I've heard this information before, and to that, I would challenge and just say, okay, maybe you have heard like the fundamentals of food storage before, but have you done it? Like if you, if you really think inwardly, um, are you where you want to be with your food storage? And if not, then you kind of need to go through the basics, right? It's sort of that thing you hear about a lot. I think it's Vince Lombardi who always would teach his team the fundamentals of football. He was a football coach and he'd basically start with saying like, gentlemen, this is a football Anytime he'd get a new team, right? And he would walk through the very basic rules of what football is and how you should tie your cleats and, you know, just very simple things and said, we've got to master the fundamentals before we can go beyond that. And I think it's the same here. Like, um, yeah, there are some things when it comes to food storage and water that are very simple and that everyone should have done, but most people have not done. How many people have any water storage in their home, right? In, in the case of an emergency, I'll, I'll really bet that it's very few. So as we go through this sort of high-level approach to the to the pillars before taking a, a deeper and deeper dive into specifics, just keep that in mind and make sure that you, like, make sure you've mastered the fundamentals. If you have a three-month food storage and you get at least two weeks of water, if not more, saved up in your house, like, I will confidently bet you're more prepared for an emergency than, like, 80 to 90% of people. So let's start there and we can dive deeper. And I've shared this anecdote a couple of times, but for me, when I started trying to walk like the path of resilience, the one of the first things I did was I got a couple of water tanks, like big water tanks, put them in my garage and filled them up. And in terms of like, obviously having food and water is most important for survival, but the benefits that you get in terms of peace of mind, just knowing that I had that water was a game changer. Yeah. I, I just felt so much less anxiety and stress knowing if anything happened, we've got enough water to get by for a couple of weeks. Like, you know, later on when you get into the deeper specifics of preparedness or resiliency, there's these incremental gains, right? These marginal gains that you can get. But like in terms of just the benefits from a peace of mind perspective, you're also going to see the most there. Absolutely. It's, it's not, doesn't have to be an expensive thing. It doesn't have to be a super time consuming thing to hit these very important, you know, first milestones to feeling and being prepared. So, um, water, just like food we talked about last week, there's a difference between having like an emergency storage, right? And having a sort of sustainable or continual access to it. So with food, we talked about how you know, an example of that would be the food storage that you have in your pantry is your emergency storage versus the garden or the homestead or whatever it is that gives you continual access 
to food, right? With water, it's the same thing. Obviously, true um, resilience, true sustainability comes from having continued access and having redundant options for um, for water. But it is important that you have a backup uh, for emergencies as well. Um, if there is a bridge or a break in the amount of time that you have access to your continual source. So for example, obviously right now our source of water is for most people like the city utility, right? You turn on the faucet, water comes out, you trust that it's clean, that you can, um, that you can drink it. Obviously a lot of places you don't drink the water that comes out of the faucet. Um, we're lucky here that we don't have any problems with that, but a lot of places around the world, um, and even around the U S you've got to um, get your water from a more reliable source, right? You might order bottled water in. You might make sure that your water goes through a specific filter. Either way, most people have access uh, to to a water source. And you don't really know or realize how much you take that for granted until you go to a place where they don't. And I know there is a... I don't know the numbers, but there's a shockingly high amount of people around the world who unfortunately don't have continual and reliable access to clean water. And it's a huge, huge problem. Um, you know, we've talked about how we've, we've lived in foreign countries, right? I was in Colombia for a time and yeah, there, like we had access to clean water, but we had to order it in. There was a, a guy in a water truck that would bring you a five gallon thing of water and you put it in your house and you'd um you'd have to have that refilled every few days and other than that like the tap water if you had any tap water could not be used for drinking or cooking you know it was used for like washing your hands or bathing or washing your clothes and that type of thing yeah i had a similar experience you know when i lived in mexico same kind of thing trucks would come around selling these five gallon like water tanks, um, which was, you just had to rely on that. Every time you were getting low, you'd have to go grab another one. Um, but we also, at least, uh, in one apartment that I stayed in, they had these big water tanks on the roof and every once in a while, like some sort of municipal water source would, would fill up the tanks and then you would have that water to be able to use for showering or for whatever else. Um, on one occasion, turned on the faucet and all the water coming out was just like brown, like thick brown water. Went up on the roof, got into that big water tank, and and for whatever reason, it had filled up with all this brown water. It was like sediment or something. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, I had to get in there with like whatever I could and spend half the day just scooping all of that water out and trying to clean it out so that hopefully clean water would come fill it back up. So yeah, the situation is different for everybody depending on where you live, but you're right for most people, um, you know, in the U S for sure, we take for granted the fact that we have access to clean water just at the turn of the tap. Unless you live in Flint, Michigan. Right. Then you, <laughs> that's right. Then you, then you know what it means to not have access to clean water. And I think things like that, like Flint, it's just a good example of like how important water is and what can happen once you lose access to it. We know that right now across the world, 
there is there's a water crisis happening. There is a growing shortage of access to fresh water. Um, we are drying up our aquifers. The water tables are lowering droughts. You know all of this stuff that's happening. We we have a whole episode on the emergency when it comes to water. But but as we go into the future, it's going to become more and more common to see places not have access to clean water. As our infrastructure breaks down, there's more and more chances of losing um, losing water for either short or extended periods of time. The water being contaminated, suddenly not being able to use it, that type of thing. And then, of course, as we talk about emergencies happening, um, there there could be prolonged periods of time without water. And then, of course, in in the longer discussion of collapse, as the world continues down this pathway, eventually we may get to a point where your municipality is no longer able to deliver you water at all. There may be a day in which water coming to your house in a, a clean fashion simply stops. And so how do we prepare for that? Well, okay, going back to the, t- the beginning of this episode, the most important thing is to make sure you're ready for those short periods of time, at the very least, without water and being able to get through that. So, Kellen, you mentioned, like, for you, you have, um, you bought a couple large tanks, right? Were they 50-ish gallons? Yeah, I had two 55-gallon tanks. Perfect. And where did you store them? For me, I put them in my garage. So, um, obviously, we talk a lot about how there are variables, and everybody's situation is completely different, right? In your case, you were able to, um, A, have the space for those you had means to fill them up, uh, to drain them, and we'll kind of go through some of that process today in in, in more depth in the future. Um, you had the financial capability to buy those barrels outright, right? So um, that's one variable. Some people may not fit into those variables, right? If you are in a 30th floor apartment building in Manhattan, um, you're not going to be buying 255-gallon barrels and sticking them where? So obviously, we'll talk through some of the, the differences. Um, there's a couple key points I think we can mention here. The important thing is that you get started, right? Whether that means going online or buying some used barrels, um, or if it means filling up two-liter soda bottles, um, let's talk about each of those options as a good starting point, I think, kind of two of the extremes for, for how you can start. But But the point is pick something and get started with it. Yeah. And it, it comes down to your, your situation, right? Um, those variables that we talk about all the time, but it also comes down to your desired outcome, regardless of what your situation is. Like you've got to have some sort of water. And you talked about how having a water source, like it's comparable to like financially, if you want to be really financially independent, you want to have a, a continual revenue stream and you also want to have savings in the bank. So you want to have a way to obtain water. And then if you can have redundancies in ways to obtain water, that's even better. But you do just have to make sure you've got some storage. When it comes to the ways to make sure you're getting water, right? Tap water, awesome. If that's an option, if you've got a well and you can get well water, or if there's a spring nearby, fantastic. Maybe you've got some sort of a, a rainwater catchment system set up. And those are all things that we want to get into in the future. But because it's so important to just start with storage, 
that's where we want to focus our time this episode. And if you are, you know, on a 30th floor of a, of a high rise building in Manhattan, maybe it's just a matter of getting a couple of cases of bottled water and storing them under your bed. Yep. It's a place to start. Yeah, exactly. So no matter what source you go to, you can go to FEMA, you can go to the EPA, you can go to the Red Cross, right? There's always organizations that talk about emergency water and they all pretty much say the same thing. And so the first thing to note is how much water should you drink, right? This differs um, for, again, your, your variable, right? Are you male? Are you female? Are you... 200 pounds? Are you 100 pounds? You know, there's a lot that goes into that. How active are you in all of that? Um, are you in a super hot climate or a cold climate? So there's not like an exact number, but um, it seemed like the average that I was reading is that um, most men should be drinking about half a gallon a day. Um, it might be just slightly less than half a gallon and women are slightly less than that. Um, you can look up charts online, see how much water you should be drinking. That's just, I mean, when we talk about physical health, I noticed, um, you know, I started this last year to try and be more healthy. And the first thing that I was told to do was just drink more water. Just make sure that you are drinking the, the daily amount of water you should be. And uh, that did help a lot. I started feeling a lot better. So anyway, that said, start drinking the right amount of water now and then get prepared to store the right amount of water um, for an emergency. Basically, the, the rule of thumb is you should have one gallon of water per day, per person in your household. And that's going to cover your drinking water, but it's also going to cover um, food preparation, cooking preparation, things like that, as well as hygiene. So being able to wash your hands. If you find yourself in a, in a more of a pickle, a situation where you might need some water to help flush toilets, for example, we'll talk more about hygiene and plumbing in depth in a later episode, but you may need more than a gallon of water per day in those type of situations. But a good emergency two-week storage plan would involve one gallon of water per person per day. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that because when you talk about – first you were saying half a gallon is what you need. But then you were saying a gallon. But it's so that you can have enough to drink but also have enough to brush your teeth and wash your hands and uh, some of those other basic needs. So I think that gives a really good starting point for how much water you need. And then like you said, like a two-week water supply – is a really good place to start. If depending on what your desired outcome is and all of those things, you might want a lot more than that. But if you know you got two weeks worth of water, you're in a pretty good spot. With that said, you need to know how long you can store the water that you have. So um, the FDA does not put any sort of expiration on bottled water. Like if you go buy bottles of water from the store, those can sit on the shelf for a long time. They do say they recommend that you drink it within two years. Most of them will have like a use-by or a best-by date, which we talked about last week with food. But I've also heard that same two-year number. So kind of keep track of when you purchase it and drink it within two years. Yeah, and they say that, you know, because it's in a plastic bottle, some of the plastic can leach into the water. It's probably not going to be like a real health concern. It's just going to affect the taste of it. So... Bottled water, you can you can store it indefinitely, but try to use it within two years. And, you know, when it comes to, to plastic, we try and stay away from it the best we can, right? You don't – there are people who will, like, buy cases of bottled water and that's all they'll drink and they're going through dozens of 
plastic bottles that they're throwing in the trash or recycling bin and they don't actually get recycled, you know. So as far as like an environmental aspect goes, try to avoid plastic, right? But that said, some people are in a situation where buying a case of water and, and it's like, yeah, if, if you're going to buy a couple of cases of water and drink it over the course of two years, that's not that big of a deal. And if it's what you can do, then your own health and making sure that you're doing that is important. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, good. So then if you've got water that you are, if it's like clean city water that you are pouring into a container and then keeping it in you know, a safe environment in a closed container, how long can you store that? Well, typically it's about six months. After six months, you'll probably want to, you know, use that water for something else and then refill that water container. Yeah. So when it comes to the smaller container, so let's say that we are in, um, it doesn't have to be a high rise in Manhattan. It could be anywhere where you just don't have access to a lot of space, right? Maybe you are um, renting a home and you don't have a place to put the, you know, a large water barrel or you just don't want to, right? You need to be more mobile than that, for example. So um, two liter bottles like soda bottles are a great option for storing water. You kind of mentioned those. You can fit those in a lot of places, right? If it's not your pantry, it can be under your bed. It can be next to your shoes in the closet. It can be on the bookcase. Like obviously you don't want it to look <laughs> like trashy or anything, but but if you have to get creative, and fit stuff into small spaces. Um, two liter bottles are a great option to do it. They are typically pretty sturdy, right? Um, the plastic is pretty thick, so it's not super likely to get punctured or crack or whatever. So yeah, two liters are great. You'll want to make sure that you wash out the bottle with soap first. So um, just give it a good wash like you would any dish. Make sure it's rinsed thoroughly so there's no soap left inside of it. And then like you said, fill it with water all the way to the top. You want to try not to touch the inside of the bottle or the, li the inside of the lid so you don't potentially contaminate it. Um, if you're getting dirt and grime inside and then close it for six months, you know, you could be looking at bacteria growth. You want to store it in a cool, dry place out of the sunlight. Um, do not use milk jugs. I know that, you know, everybody drinks milk and so you have all these jugs and you don't want to throw away the plastic, you want to reuse them. The enzymes in dairy... Um, can stick around for a long time and facilitate the, the growth of bacteria that can be really harmful. So as tempting as it is, recycle the milk jugs. Don't use them for storing water. And it's also not recommended to use glass. Obvious, you know, for obvious reasons, if there's an earthquake or whatever emergency you might be going through, 
uh, you risk those falling, breaking, creating other hazards and losing all access to that water. You know, recently we were helping my in-laws to kind of clear out a bunch of junk that they had in their house. And they had um, several years ago, I think it was more like 20 years ago, had thought, oh, we need to get some water storage. And they had filled up some some two-liter bottles of water. And uh, the problem is that they hadn't written down a date on it. And so they really don't remember. Um, based on everything else that was in that, <laughs> you know, that storage room, they, I think it's been 15 or 20 years that that water's wow. been sitting there. Yeah. But the point is, make sure to write a date. And also, like a little tip here is, is don't just write a date on there. Because later you're going to think, was this the date that I filled it up? Or was this the date that was like the date I was supposed to empty it by? Right. Right. You need to make sure you clarify. So filled on yes. X date. So one thing that I did with those 55 water tanks that I had in my garage, I just got like a pack of those sticky notes or like the, you know, if, if you go to like a convention or a, and it says my name is. Yeah. So I just found some of those at the store. I keep them on top of the tank. Um, I stick that on the tank and it just says filled on and I put the date and that way I don't have to like write anything on the tank and then scratch it out. I can just peel that off when I empty them and stick a new one on when it's, when I refill them. Yeah. Ex I mean, it's so simple, right? It doesn't have to be some complicated inventory management system. Put a calendar invite or a calendar reminder in your phone, right? There are so many apps for this type of thing. Your phone will just buzz you and say, hey, it's been six months. Change the water, right? Pour out the two liters and, and refill them. Shouldn't take a lot of time. Shouldn't be super complicated. But it gives you an emergency access to water if it's needed. And like you said, a serious peace of mind. So let's talk about the bigger options then. And there are some in-between options here, right? We're going from the uh, the small options to some of the, the larger options. We could go even larger and say get yourself a 1,000-gallon tank right? If you have a ton of, of space and maybe one day we'll do an episode on that for those people who are in that situation. But these are two relatively realistic options for most people. So with those big tanks, by the way, right? A 50 gallon tank, you consider that a gallon a day for a family of four for 14 days, that comes out to 56 gallons. So that's just about, you know, a 50 gallon would, would get you by for about two weeks for a family of four. So, and sorry if you can hear some background noise. We're getting a pretty solid rainstorm here. Speaking of water. Yeah, rain catchment system we don't have set up yet. Yeah. Um, okay, so the tanks that you see in these, they're usually blue, right? And that indicates um, typically that they were used for a, their, or their, their food grade barrels. That is important, right? And you can't just trust where a barrel comes from or that it is food grade. You need to double check and make sure that it is meant to have water or food stored in it. Um, there's a lot of big barrels out there that you could find online to buy used. And, and online is a great option to get them for cheap, right? Um, but you have to be careful because if they were used to store chemicals or something else that could grow bacteria or, you know, there's just tons of different things that these barrels are used for. You need to make sure you know the history of the barrel, um, what it's been used for. And then you definitely need to disinfect and sanitize that barrel before putting drinking water in it. If you buy them new, um, I think they range, most of them range somewhere between like 50 and $70 each. 
Um, Kellen, I think the ones you bought were a little nicer. They they stacked on top of each other. They had some other little features, and I think they were somewhere around 100. Is that right? Uh, I'd, I'd have to go look. It was a couple of years ago. I can't remember. They were more expensive. To me, it was worth it because they were stackable, and they also had like a spigot on the bottom. So, mm-hmm. so when it came time to drain them, it was so much easier. Yeah. Some of these barrels, like there's just a hole in the top. Yep. And that, then that's what I have. And then trying to like get them moved to where you want to tip them over so that you can pour the water out when it's time to drain them. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, there's no way they weigh like 400 pounds full of water. You, you can't move. You can't move them unless they're on something movable and then you're in danger of, of hurting yourself. Right. So we can talk a little bit about how I, get water out of mine in a moment. But but having that, like you mentioned, a stackable with a spigot, it just makes it super easy. You can just walk up to it with a cup of water and pour water in it and drink it. Yeah. And it's it's a spigot. So this was a big selling point for me that I could actually just attach the hose to, mm. right? And then open it up and it could I could go put the hose out on my lawn and all that water would drain out onto the lawn. Walk away, let it drain, come back and fill it up again later. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, the point is there's a there's a variety, there's a range of different types of barrels you can you can use for this. On the low end, you're talking twenty or thirty bucks buying them used. Um, the mid range fifty to sixty dollars. The higher range probably somewhere around a hundred bucks or so. Yeah, and I think I'm sure there's there's an right. even you, higher range. You could find a thousand dollar one out there if you wanted to get really fancy. You can probably find ones that have filters built into them or something. Right. Like that. Gold, gold plated, whatever you're into, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. But as far as sanitizing them, even if you buy them new, you do want to make sure you disinfect and sanitize it. Um, and that, there's some pretty easy tutorials out there for how to do this. I watched some on YouTube um, that just kind of walk through the process of it. Basically, you're just mixing... Um, a little bit of bleach. I'm not going to say the exact amounts right now because I don't remember, but a little bit of chlorine bleach with a gallon of water. You put it in the barrel, you roll the barrel around so that it's touching everywhere inside of it. Then you rinse the barrel out, dump it, and it's ready to go. So now if you're using chlorinated tap water, just like your bottles, you can fill that sucker up, tap, uh, put the, the cap on it, and you're good to go for, for six months. I do set a reminder in my phone that just says, hey, remember to change the uh, change the water. I place mine in my utility room. So my house has a, um, a mechanical room basically with a drain in the floor. That way I can just take a hose and siphon the water out when it's time. I bought a little pump. Um, they sell these really simple, cheap siphon pumps. So, um, it sticks down into the barrel and then it, it screws onto the top in that hole that you had mentioned. I give it a few pumps, it pumps the water up out of it, and then it's created a siphon at that point as long as the exit point is lower than the bottom of the barrel. So then I can, like you were able to, I can just walk away and let that um, empty into the drain. But towards the end, I am manually pumping a little bit. I'm I'm picking up the barrel and dumping it upside down, trying to get everything out. So uh, it sounds like the investment that you made in a nicer one saves you some time for sure. Um, But this, this also is pretty doable. Um, I just had to buy that extra pump and, and all of that. So anyway, that said, uh, and I really think that pump was probably like $10 or less and I bought it at Walmart. So they are, they are pretty accessible. Um, one thing I'll say just quickly, the fact that it's six months for me made things really easy. You know, we live in a climate where we experience all the different seasons. Winter is cold and there's snow and ice outside. And so 
I don't want to be dealing with trying to empty those water tanks and refill them in the middle of winter. I want to just be able to use the garden hose and take care of it that way. Um, so for me, just knowing like I, I, it was in the fall right before winter hit that I would fill them up. And then I knew that in the spring I would do it again. September and March or something like that. October, April. Yep, exactly. Nice. So you mentioned that with these water tanks, it's really important to make sure that they are clean, that they are sanitized. I think that's a good segue into talking about actually making sure your water is clean. So you should be able to trust it. If it's been in a clean tank and it's been six months or less, you're fine. But what if you have water that you aren't sure whether it's clean or not? Whether that's water that you had stored and maybe you didn't write the date on it. Or maybe that's water that you're accessing from some other source and you don't know whether it's safe to drink. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so there's there's an emergency, right? And um, maybe you, the tap is working, but there's a funny color or smell or taste to it, right? Or your tap stops working, but there's a stream nearby and you go get water from that stream. You don't just want to dip your cup in there and start drinking, right? Dirty water, contaminated water can be some of the lead to some of the worst experiences and diseases and death, right? As a matter of fact, I'll share this. Contaminated water can transmit diseases like dysentery, typhoid, polio. 829,000 diarrheal deaths happen each year worldwide due to unsafe drinking water or poor sanitation. Yeah. It's no joke and and my my thought is that some of the the most deaths that will come from a collapse situation, right? Or emergence, long-term emergency situations is from lack of medical care for things like infections and cuts and stuff like that and water. In today's modern day and age, most you know places in the West, in the US or whatever, have access to medical care for, you know, if I do get serious diarrhea from Giardia or something like that, I can go and get medical care to make sure I, you know, get an IV in and make sure that I'm staying hydrated and all that. Um, before the modern technologies were around, that wasn't the case. You could get a severe bout of diarrhea and die. And that will likely be the case again um, for people who, um, who don't have access to clean water or don't know how to clean it. So, yes, if you don't know if your water is clean, you should clean it. And there are different terms here that you hear, um, and it's good to kind of know the difference between them. So people talk about um, you can disinfect your water, right? You can purify your water. You can filter your water. Those are some of the, the main ones that you'll hear. So FEMA talks about the first thing, the, the best choice most likely is to boil it. This is a way of purifying your water. Um, boiling water is going to get rid of most pathogens, which would cause diarrhea and, and giardia and, and all the others that you mentioned. Um, basically bring the water to a boil, let it uh, do a rolling boil for at least one minute. However, if you are in an elevation above 5,000 feet, then you should let it um, boil for three minutes. So if you're in a super high elevation area, go longer. If you're in a normal elevation below 5,000 feet, just let it boil for a minute and you should be good to drink it, right? Boiling water can give it kind of a funny taste, a flat, uh, a flat taste. So they talk about how you can um, you can add oxygen to the water by pouring it back and forth between two pots and pans or cups or however you want to do that. But just move it back and forth in the air for a while, 
and that should add some flavor. You can also, they talk about putting in pinches of salt um, in there just to add a little bit of flavor back to it so it's more pleasing to drink. So anyway, that's that's purification. Yeah, and, and one thing I just want to modify from what you said. You said boil the water and then you should be able to drink it. Um, boiling the water will kill pathogens, right, and, and prevent some of those germs, diseases. But there might be toxic chemicals or there might be certain, like, minerals, right? The pH balance might be off. So yeah. there are a lot of factors into what makes water drinkable. Yeah, and you're right. I should say it if you're worried about the bacteria side of things, then boiling should do the trick. It doesn't get rid of contaminants necessarily, though. So if uh, if you pour it in there and there's, like, dirt and mud and rocks and junk and all this stuff that's in it, then yeah, that's going to stay, that's going to stay in it and you're still drinking that stuff. Right. And, um, like you said, if there's minerals or chemicals, especially things that are really harmful, boiling, it's not going to get rid of that. So either, uh, probably the best way is going to be before you boil it is to do a simple filtration. Um, if you don't have like a, a, a commercial, I shouldn't say commercial, but if you don't have like a serious filter, right? Like a Berkey filter or something that you would use like a life straw, you can use something simple like a clean, washcloth, right? Or a coffee filter and run the water through that first. That will catch most of the contaminants, the large contaminants at the very least before boiling it. You do though, uh, if you have access to something like a life straw, or if you have a, uh, a Berkey filter, those are a little bit more pricey options, but they are supposed to be very effective in removing. And this, this is, uh, again, filtration, removing some of those other types of contaminants from the water um, I think the best option, if you are unsure of what's happening with your water, is to do both. Um, boil it and then run it through uh, a filter option. Yeah, and, and there are other options beyond boiling. Like you can add a little bit of bleach to water if if that's what you need to do. But oftentimes, if you look at some of these sources that you mentioned, they'll say, well, filter it and then bleach it or filter it and then boil it. Yeah. The disinfecting, so using bleach, um, is an option. And it usually seems to be in most of these sites and what they recommend, it's sort of the second option. If you can't boil it, then disinfect it, right? And when it comes to disinfection, using bleach, it gives some specifications as far as um, what kind of bleach you should use. Household bleach, that is uh, chlorine bleach, non-scented, no additional cleaners in there. You just got to be very careful that it's just a plain chlorine bleach. Um, and you know, no colors added and, and all of that stuff that could be harmful to you. There are some tables that you can find online. You want to make sure it's between like six and eight or six and 9% bleach. And then basically you add it, it, depending on the amount of the percentage of bleach, it will tell you how much to add to your water. So there's too many different options to go through right now. If you, if disinfection is an option for you, I would recommend, um, finding one of those tables on either FEMA or EPA's website or any of those websites. You can print that out and then, um, you know, put it next to where you keep your bleach so that if you are ever in that situation, you can, um, you can use that. Yeah. And just be aware that we're talking about a number of drops per gallon, right? Six drops or eight drops, depending on, right. You know, what kind of bleach you have. Don't go add a cup of bleach to a gallon <laughs> of water and drink that. You're going to be in trouble. For sure. Um, you know, there are some things on the market as well that are meant to help you purify water when you need it. Uh, I think we've got some iodine drops yep. that, that we purchased. I'm especially paranoid. So when, when we got those 
tanks of water that we put in our garage, I wanted to make sure if it's been six months or maybe I've let some time pass and it's been eight months or I'm, I'm just not quite sure I've, I've got, you know, these droplets that we can put in the water. The, the instructions are right there on it, you know, to tell you how much to put in. And that way we can just make sure that the water that we get is clean. I also am quite paranoid. I told you this last week when it comes to like, uh, expiration dates, I'm super paranoid. I'm the same with water. Um, you know, I do feel comfortable thinking that if I get a good filter and I can filter that water and I boil it, that I'm in pretty good shape. And if I'm not at that point, like, oh boy, are we in trouble, right? <laughs> because um, because at that point, the water is so messed up that, that there's probably no, there's probably no fixing it. So maybe that, you know, when you talk about a filter, I think there's one thing to bring up there, which is that you might... We, like a 72-hour kit is something that we mentioned when it comes to food. If if you've got the resources, you might want to invest in some sort of a filter that you can take with you on the go. Some of these filters, you know, the way they advertise it, it's like you could drink out of a gutter. You could drink out of whatever with, the, with a life straw and it, the water should be clean, um, both of contaminants and of, you know, any sort of bacteria. So having that as something that you can take with you in case you need to hurry and leave and then you, you can't take like your your tanks of water with you, that's the ideal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you definitely should have like if you if you have a go bag, right, or a 72 hour kit, you want to make sure that you have something mobile. You know, I bought um I I saved up for quite a while. Um I made an agreement with my wife that I could uh, finally purchase a Berkey filter. And it's a, it's a large filter, right? I can't remember how many gallons. I think it's like five gallons or something that I could filter at once. And just having that has given me so much peace of mind. Um, but at the same time, if I was in an emergency and where I needed to, to leave, I'm not lugging that thing with me, right? It's huge. It's like the size of a, like my backpack, right? It wouldn't fit in a regular size backpack. So, um, it's not realistic to be able to take that anywhere. So having either a smaller version in the water bottles, right? Or like you said, a life straw itself, life, life straw has a water bottle version, or you can just buy the life straw by itself so that you can go drink out of a pond or a river or whatever. Life straws can be kind of difficult because they require a lot of energy. You're, you're sucking through a filter. So you're getting a little bit of water for the amount of energy you're putting into sucking it out. Um, but that is certainly better than not having any option at all. Yeah. One more, um, one more method that I think we'll mention here quickly is distillation. So you might hear about distilling water often. Um, there are different methods for how you can distill water, but a very quick, like simple method if you're in a pinch is basically to boil water in a pot, turn the lid to that pot upside down. Um, so it's basically convex into the, into the, the pot and then tie a cup or a mug to the lid so it's hanging down. And then basically what will happen is as that water boils, the condensation will gather it on the lid and drip down, down the string into your cup, basically. Um, and that just allows for basically you're capturing the water that you're drinking is water that has been evaporated, condensated, and then dripped back down. And that removes, again, um, a large majority of contaminants as well. Yeah, I love that. And there are some, even some other methods. UV light is one that exists. 
It's not always highly recommended because depending on what's in the water, or how cloudy the water is, it might not reach everything. You can even use sunlight in some cases, um, but I don't think we need to dive too deep into that. I think, you know, there's a lot that we've talked about here, but basically like start, just get started with something. Um, and, and as you figure out what that looks like for you, you want to be able to have ideally something that you can take with you on the go. If you need to go filter water somewhere, you want to have a certain amount of storage of water and you want to make sure you're doing what's necessary to have that water be clean at the time that you're going to be using it. Well said. Yeah, I think um, there are a lot of there are a lot of different options out there for both storing water and sourcing water, right? We could even get into some of the super high tech options. They have water generators, right? That will generate water from the humidity in the atmosphere and turn that into uh, basically water that you can just you know, pour out of a jug into your into your into a glass. Um, and that comes from nothing but the air. Obviously, you need energy to run those, right? So they're a little bit more complicated and you need filters and things like that. You have ones that are like solar. They make these solar panel ones where you put it up on the roof and it uses um, basically creates condensation on the inside. And then it will run through a filter off of your roof down into your into your house. So there's there's options. Those are more expensive, more high tech, more likely to fail over time type of options. Um, we won't get into those deeply today. We can talk about them later. But the point is, depending on your variables, depending on where you're at, there are different things you can do to be more prepared uh, with regards to your water. But like Kellen said, just get started. Get a two-week minimum uh, amount of water stored up. And from there, you can start looking into the sort of, like you said, Kellen, marginal uh, improvements that you can make to your storage and uh, again, some pretty big improvements that you can make to making sure you have continual access to water at that point. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.